I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Happy Sabbath. Welcome to worship here at the University Church. Thank you so much for the music, ladies, for the prayer. And again, man, we, we are so delighted to be a part of a family together. And all of the women warriors in our, in our midst, we are so delighted to be a family. Thank you for that as well. A couple of things as we kind of launch our way into worship and spend a little bit of time in the Ten Commandments. If you are guests, if you haven't been here, we're in a series called Ten. And today, Flourishing is our title as we take a look at the Sixth Commandment. But before we do, a couple of things. Many of you know the rhythms of the the university campus and this particular church, we are a little bit more than a month away from a special weekend, April, I believe, 8, sunrise. And our opportunity to tell the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his sacrifice for us to our grander community. And so uh, it's a perfect time. It's not surprising that we would still be saying this to you now, but we would love your involvement and investment in that storytelling of Jesus. We could use your help. So if you're curious, take a look in the bulletin or go online and consider volunteering your time with us as we tell that story. And also, would you please pray over the tickets? We are seeking every opportunity to place tickets in the hands of people who have never been to our campus, have not participated in this story in this way. And so pray over that, please, as we continue to draw close to April and that Easter weekend. The second thing that I'd like to share with you, challenging as it is, is to just tell you over the last little while, Carolyn and myself have been wrestling in prayer and have been asked to consider something that I want you to know about. Uh, The Georgia Cumberland Conference, that's the conference of our church here, um, has asked that we consider uh, a call and we have decided prayerfully with clarity to say yes to a request to join the Crosswalk Church to be the lead pastor of Crosswalk Chattanooga and to serve on the executive leadership team of Crosswalk Global. Some of you know there are Crosswalk churches other places than just here. Uh, And so that has been a challenging journey for us that I want you to know about. Thank you for your prayers as we continue. I will say this, some some of my friends or others have asked, wait, 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 what? So Crosswalk, is this, a, is this an Adventist church? Is this a, absolutely, it's a church in the Georgia Cumberland Conference, not far from here. Many of you don't need to be told that because you know family, friends, others who are there. And I will say this, the missionality of that uh, congregational opportunity to open the doors to fellowship in Christ to individuals who would not always or naturally walk into what feels very much like a church. Um, is something that I have prayed to God about. Uh, If you just think in your own mind of family members and friends, our community is riddled with, that we love deeply, that's the pull on our heart, is to participate in this opportunity um, as we think even of our own children, to include and involve and connect those who are disconnected 
um, out in our grander and greater community. And so uh, it's with some measure of sadness that I share this, sadness and excitement, it's, it's a challenging mixture of both, right? Um, in part because I have loved being your pastor. Um, whether you are a part of our continual, regular, every week family members, whether you uh, see me somewhere and you've just listened on the radio or have joined us online or maybe you're one of our family members who gets here about two, three times a year when you visit the children that you have brought to this university, we are family and it matters deeply to us and Carolyn and I have just loved you and being a part of your family we are, the blow is softened just a tiny bit by the fact that we don't need to move anywhere and our relationships don't have to go anywhere and we can continue to grow in that. And the answer would be a simple and easy yes if you needed something from us. Um, we, we love you. And so thank you for continuing to pray for us as we take this next step. It's also not going to require any uh, broken land speed records as we transition. Uh, we'll be having conversations with our pastoral team this coming week, but my recommendation and willingness is to stay in the pulpit through this semester to the graduation weekend of our university and um, to finish this series together. And so we'll be here as we seek to do everything God would, would encourage us to do to make sure that the ministry that matters so much to us is, is safeguarded and, and well taken care of. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And so it is entirely coincidental that today's commandment is thou shalt not murder. <laughs> um, but we transition now to God's word in our study of these 10, the sixth commandment. As you know, we've been looking, maybe you don't, maybe you're just here for the first time or you're passing through, lost track of this or didn't know it. But what we're doing is we're taking a look at the 10 commandments, but through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus will make very clear that he is the I am and was back when the Ten Commandments were voiced in the 20th chapter of Exodus. So we're going to take a look today at this command in some versions, thou shalt not kill, in others, thou shalt not murder. And we're going to ask God to teach us something and I want to suggest to you it's going to be about flourishing. So let's bow our heads as we dive on in. Father, bless us. Bless us. And we say that um, amidst change and um, transition, and I just want to just say again, Lord God, thank you for blessing uh, Carolyn and myself so deeply, being a part of this community. Uh, it feels like way more time and way more of our heart than, than what is even reasonable <laughs> over six plus years together here, we pray a blessing on all you have in mind for this, our family. And Lord, as we dig into this sixth commandment and we may be pretty ready to congratulate ourselves in having one of them that we've kept well, we ask that you speak to us. We have heard it said, but we'd like you to say today in Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. You read down through the commandments and you might bump into one here and there and another place and go, ah, well, okay, so at least you get to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, and I think I feel comfortable saying that I can just check that box and move along now, right? 
You good? I think you're good, right? Thank you, Jesus, for giving us an easy one. Appreciate it. And then Jesus comes along and says, I, I, just, just for a second, you have heard it said, which again is Jesus saying, you have heard me say. You have heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say, oh, he, he absolutely says. So let's go there. Matthew chapter five, we read it this way. You have heard it said a long time ago that people said, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment and immediately, Jesus, okay, that derailed in a hurry. I mean, just honestly, I was doing great with thou shalt not murder. I felt good about it all. And then you said, I'm what, angry? Well, there's a little more to just being having an angry reaction. The wording here suggests anger that ha- is vented. Mm. Thou shalt Not murder, well, we've heard it said this way, and Jesus says, ah, there's more to it. There's just, there's seriously, there's more to it than that, and if it weren't enough that he said, let's not be people who vent anger at others, he goes even further in the next verse. He says, again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, that turned... That turned, the heat went up on that really fast. We were at murder, felt good about it. Anger, you know, I mean, most, I actually have a calm demeanor. Went on down the list until we're talking fires of hell and calling somebody a fool. That seems a little bit overdone, Jesus. I had to get it if it's fires of hell with murder. But, I mean, calling, Joseph, calling you, what, what kind of fool, Joseph? If you back up just a little bit and consider what is happening here and what Jesus is saying, he is suggesting something to us. That the word that fool is moros, the Greek word moros. We come up with words like moron, right? But this is moral. What's being said here is, if I said that to Joseph, what I'm saying is, look, Joseph, you are morally corrupt. And the idea of calling somebody that in this kind of context is to say, I am making it my business to make sure others think of you as morally corrupt. There was a day, feels a little bit like it's shifted, there was a day that was far worse to assassinate a person's character because that lives on for generations than it is to assassinate the human body, especially if you believe in the afterlife. And Jesus is saying, look, if you th- this, is, this isn't as easy as you think. In fact, Jesus backs up a little bit, and we'll go to Matthew chapter 15 to understand something that comes up with some regularity. We've talked about it in the past, but Jesus is kind of followed, haunted by individuals in leadership in the spiritual community who do not like this Jesus. They would love to punch holes in his followership. They would love to actually kill him. They're trying to get the right texture, the right moment to be able to capture him, haul him off, kill him, be done with him, but they need the people to not be quite so fond of him. And the healing situation is not working in their favor. Ah, but, but, culture can be so ingrained in us. And so they're relying 
on the culture. As lawyers show up with questions or they're just watching him and they notice a little problem and that is that Jesus and his followers, the disciples, regularly violate some of the code they have written so carefully and detailed about how you wash and clean yourselves. This is not that you are clean, this is that you are ceremonially in step with the culture that has been laid out. And so Jesus, interacting back and forth with this whole idea of being clean or not being clean, gives texture to this whole commandment by saying the following, which it starts, I mean, with a flurry. Jesus says, are you still so dull? And that's humorous, because he's not talking to me, right? He's not actually saying to you, are you still, Andy, are you, I mean, seriously, Andy, after all this time, are you still so dull? feels good if he's talking to Andy. It's not as funny if he's talking to me. Are you, do you still not get it? You, 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 you're ready to check the box by thou shalt not murder. And, and, well, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, then out of the body? There's a whole situation. But what he's gearing up to is this, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, those that make a man unclean. What what makes you unclean is what comes out from inside. You violate this commandment from the inside out, not the outside in. By the time a knife plunges into the heart of an enemy, there has been murder already, Jesus says. And just because the knife didn't go in In your situation, doesn't mean you haven't been all about murder because it comes from the inside out. It is the heart where this starts and actually resides for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. It's like, okay, we're gonna get to those commandments. Just hold on, Jesus. So you've heard it said Thou shalt not murder. I say, you might be murdering already in your heart. And that is where you become unclean. I was thinking about this whole idea of killing, thou shalt not. Very often as I go through the study of this, I'm thinking, well, what would, the, what, what would be the flip side of that? What would be the positive version of that? I, I was drawn to one of my favorite verses. I have way, way, way too many verses of scripture that I say that about. It'd be a whole, I mean, there's a, my favorite verse. Well, then I will be to another favorite verse in a minute. But hold on, before we go too fast, John 10. You know the verse, don't you? John 10, I have come that I might give you life. And life, not just little life, not just every day, what you see around you kind of life. I'm talking about life that never ends. I'm talking about the resurrection and the life. I'm talking about life that overcomes. I'm talking about full, big life. I'm talking about life that you can feel on the inside no matter what's happening on the outside life. Now maybe you forgot how that verse starts. Jesus says, you know, the thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. These are sides of a coin. Kill, life. Murder, life. And it is not something to be separated and my champion and celebrate that I simply didn't kill. Because Jesus is life. And what he says is, your choice is between life and death. Your choice is between murder or being a cause of human flourishing. If you are not a participant to the flourishing life of people around you, you are participating in death. That's what I say. Jesus, you've heard it said, don't murder. I I, want to go and flip that coin around. Jesus says, I want you to hear this. I call you to add to life, the life of those around you. I was thinking about this and just recalling. Some of you are possibly even fans of, for me, if her name is on it, I'm probably gonna buy it. It's uh, author Brene Brown, who would describe herself as a research storyteller. This sociologist, PhD, she has written a wide range of books that are wonderful and interesting. In the book Rising Strong from a few years ago, she describes how our brains work and then some of the ramifications. What she says is, look, our brains are incredible at, at gathering and monitoring details and data, collecting it all together, and then figuring out how the pieces fit together. So as I'm talking right now and I look over my friend Mickey, I notice he rolls his eyes and I'm thinking, okay, Mickey, what's up with you today? You're not here all that often, you come into town and you roll your eyes at me. I, I don't know. What, are you pro-murder, is that the deal? I don't know what's going on with Mickey now, so I'm replaying, I'm talking to you, but I'm replaying in my mind. Why would Mickey be rolling his eyes? What's going on there? And I decide that Mickey, frankly, doesn't respect me. Because I can remember another situation with Mickey. You see, this is how our minds, we gather the details and we work on the puzzle. That doesn't make sense, that does make sense, and we snap it together, and as Brene Brown suggests, our minds are incredibly talented at taking the detail pieces and puzzling them together. What our minds are not great at is validating that the story we built is true. All that matters is that the details fit. After the service, I see Mickey. He goes to give me a hug and I grab him by the hand and shake his hand a little far out away from me. He's wondering what that's about. Wondering what Dave's problem is. (laughs) So a thing, I guess he's just not, I I don't. Because frankly, I'm I'm still having an issue with him having rolled his eyes at me, just to be honest with you. And over time, I'm I'm telling you, you go back and think of some of the relationships that have broken in your life and there are these very kinds of circumstances and situations and I barely even realized it but I made a conclusion in my storytelling brain of something that was going on and I started to act on it and now Mickey is going, okay, if you're acting that way, then I'm acting this way. We scroll forward six months and neither of us knows who started it or what it is that happened. We just know we're not so sure we like each other. And even if it is simply to withdraw from another human being, I start participating in death. 
You? You've heard it said. Don't murder. <laughs> but I say, add life. And that may be requiring you and me to confront the stories we build in our head. Brene Brown suggests that when we feel a story happening that has us at the, the blunt end of a hammer, we feel like we're being made a fool of, we're somehow being ostracized, we're being pushed out, we are now, there are three patterned ways of response. And it's good for us to know what our natural pattern is. You listen and you figure out which one you, you might go through all three of these, but you probably have a dominant pattern. Some people, they pull back and withdraw, go away. I'm gonna suggest to you that is a pattern that adds death. Others overcome or try to by people pleasing, coming up and not addressing the issues. You may think that adds life. I'm gonna suggest to you it adds death. And others of us, we marshal the troops and we move against. And it could be with a look, it could be with a word, it could be a deed. Some of us start with one of those and cycle through all three of them. I'm gonna first draw back and well, I guess maybe if I just please you this way. By the way, why is this happening? <laughs> You're a jerk. Amidst this, Boy, if we were having a parenting seminar, if we were having a marriage seminar right now, I'm about to give you a half a sentence that could change your world as it has so many other people. Brene Brown makes a recommendation. Adopt this. First of all, acknowledge in your mind the brain stories that you have, Mickey. <laughs> Confront them and then have the courage to add life Amen. with the following You'll finish it, sentence. Mickey. And as I tell you this, it actually starts to sound dumb in my own head. But earlier, as I'm speaking, by the way, Mickey did not roll his eyes as far as I know. But anyway. Earlier, as I was speaking, I look over to my friend and I see this look on your face and I'm thinking, is, is he really my friend? The story that I'm telling myself right now is, honestly, that you don't respect me. That there's a problem, or that I've already done something that you're annoyed with. The story, my brain, you, you understand the difference between my going to Mickey and saying, hey Mickey, why did you do the as compared to saying, the story I'm telling myself, I acknowledge. I know our brains work in weird ways and, and, and there are gonna be times when Mickey goes, oh my goodness, first of all, I did roll my eyes. What's happening is, here in church, my family has a group text and I had probably the 60th buzz on my phone while I'm sitting here and uh, had nothing to do with you. Oh, I'm so sorry that that even distracted you. Could be that Mickey will say, I, I, don't, I, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I've been feeling something myself. Oh. 
And I, I know it, it probably ought to be worked out. I don't know what death you are currently walking around with. But don't settle for how you've heard it said. Don't murder. Lock on to being a contributor to life. Full life, big life, flourishing life. I know, it's possible you're thinking right now, okay, I see the steps you took there. You went from Jesus talking about murder to Jesus talking about anger to Jesus talking about calling somebody a fool and then you went spinning wildly off, quite honestly, to a whole thing about Brene Brown and I love the, I love the notion and I can even see why you would try to make that stretch but don't be telling me Jesus said it. Go back with me to Matthew chapter five. You've heard it said don't murder, I say be careful about the anger that wells up inside of you because that is where murder comes from. Be careful about slandering other people, about being a person who is seeking retribution for the, I say, in fact, check this out. A little sentence that often gets lopped off from Jesus talking about murder, but it starts with this word, therefore. I'm talking about murder, therefore. Meaning, let me continue, let me just seal the deal on this issue of murder. Here's the deal. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Uh, let me put it this way to you. Those of you at the Collegedale Seventh-day Adventist Church, if you go to worship and you walk in all nicely suited up with your tithes and offerings on a Sabbath day and you recognize in that moment that there is something between you and a brother, something between you and a sister, here's what I want you to do, Collegedale Church and guests. I want you to put your Bible down in the seat next to you, stand up and leave. <laughs> Woo. Let's read the rest. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and reconcile First, go. You cannot worship in full life when you have something between you and another person and you're walking around harboring death. This is a place, Jesus would say, of life, full life, abundant life, more life, real life, life. Not for the pretense of life, not for prettiness of spirituality, for real life. So if you don't have it right now, if you've got a problem in your marriage, you don't need to do this physically right now, but figuratively, Jesus would say, don't waste your time. Set your gift down, get up and work it out. Maybe start with something like this, Jesus says. You know, I know there's been stuff between us and I just, I gotta tell you the story that I'm telling myself right now is that you don't love me anymore. The story I'm telling myself right now, my son, is that you think I'm a fool at my age. The story I'm telling myself, colleague of mine, is that you hate 
having to work with me. But I know it's a story I'm telling myself and I need to check in with you because if there's something to it, we need to work it out. And if there's nothing to it, we need to just stomp that out. Because there is someone who will be here in our lives seeking to kill and destroy. And Jesus says, no, 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 not, not me, not on my watch. I don't care if you scheduled church, get up and go. And live. And be about life. And add value to the people around you. Add to human flourishing. What if, what if that's what we were known for most? Man, great orchestra music. Beautiful organ. Did you hear the praise team? Tell you what, you graduate with a nursing degree from there, you're good to go. What if the thing we were known for most and first? So I don't know if you feel in any way like there's some part of your life that's ebbing. Go there. Go there. You, I promise you, you will flourish if you just get to be there. And the same Jesus who can't, can't walk by a broken person without wanting to heal him, who can't attend a funeral properly, <laughs> would show up in you, would live out of me. Not just because I didn't gun somebody down in the street today, but because when someone bumps into me, they end up with more life. So, Lord God. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was going to be an easy commandment. <laughs> Lord, we pray because you're going to have to show up for this. For us to have any shot, you're going to have to show up for this. You're going to need to show up in our marriage. You're going to need to show up in our families, with our children, with our parents. You're going to need to show up in our workplace, in us. You're going to need to help us. You're... Lord God, we commit to this. We will keep coming to you. Please grow us. Please change us. Please help us to flourish the kind of way that just springs up out of our heart so that we cannot help but add life to people around us. Not just that we don't slice them up in the streets, but that we add life. We're going to need you. We're going to need you whether we're standing in line to vote or we're just standing in line to pay for some food. Some of us have gained control of our eye rolls and we just turn them on the inside where we could really truly be unclean. We ask that you bless us with the kind of presence that changes everything. So start right here in my heart. Draw close to me, Lord God. Abide in me. 
Give me life, not just any old life, your life, full life, big life. And then, Lord, for anyone who is struggling and suffering under the cloud of death, could you put me near them to breathe flourishing life? We claim the promise that you can do even this. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.